the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt here on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. So glad that you joined me today. And we are going to talk about a couple of different things this week and the following week. We are going to continue to talk about relationships and what makes relationships work and what makes relationships fail. And so I kind of want to start this show out today a little bit differently before I jump right into some of the relationship issues, because we talked last week about this whole difference between dysfunctional love versus intimacy and why God really wants us in relationship to begin with. And so if you've listened to me in the past, you know that I am a really big proponent of this idea that if the internal world is not working, your external world will not work. And so it really is an internal job. And so the more that we understand our internal world and making sure that that is working, what you end up finding out is that the external is, is the, the reflection of what is going on in your internal world. And when we're, not making, when we're not taking care of that internal world, that internal world externalizes is what we, is what we call it. So if you don't like what's going on in your internal world, it's going to follow you everywhere you go. And there's that famous saying that I love, and that is, everywhere you go, there you are. And so we really want to get the internal world in order. So I want to take just this first segment and really talk about seven rules for life. And um, a friend of mine passed this, this over to me. It was a little, just kind of a little handout, and I have no idea who to give credit to it credit for it, because it really is quite, quite good. And I, I like these rules and the way that these rules are said. And so I want to talk about that this kind of encompasses a lot of the theory that I have when I work with people about their internal world. So the first one is making peace with your past so it won't screw up the present. And I know that we talk about that. You've heard about that. But I want you to really consider this. When God says that he puts your sins as far as the east is from the west, he remembers them no more, that really is because God does not have to learn from our mistakes. We do. So one of the primary rules that I have for clients and for myself is that the only reason I have the past is to learn. I am never to use the past for self-abuse. Retrospection is showing me one of two things. It either shows me who I really am or it shows me who I really don't want to be. 
So I don't use it for anything other than that. So when I'm looking at my past, I need to look at it through the eyes of God for one and understand that, that he is not interested in my past. He doesn't have to learn from it. So he allows me to, to remember my past so that I can remember either who I am or who I am not. And so it's imperative that as I do that, and, and being able to do that means I need to make peace with it. So I need to let it be. I need to let it be in the past. I need to let it be over. Because every time I bring that past into my, into my present moment, it now dictates my future, and it affects my future. The more I rehash the past, the more I lament about the past, the more I reminisce about the past or sentimentalize the past, the less of the future that God has in store for me am I able to actually experience. And so it's imperative that we make peace with the past so it doesn't mess up the moment I'm in, which directly affects my future. And this is imperative when we are interacting with our friends and family, our, our loved ones, our spouses, our partners, people that we work with, that I need to make peace with their past as well. And I don't mean what they individually experience as their past, but what I have experienced of them. And this is imperative when it comes to romantic committed relationships. So with my partner, with my spouse, my husband, I need to make sure that I make peace with the past. And if the past continues to be a part of the present, I need to address it. So that I can make sure that every morning, just as God says his mercies are new every morning for me, my mercies are new every morning for my spouse. And I make sure that I leave the past where it belongs. And that is simply to learn from it. So let's look at the second one. What others think of you is none of your business. And I really think that's, that's uh, some pretty sage advice. That what people think about me is really none of my business. They're allowed to have their own thoughts about me. They're allowed to have their own perceptions. They're allowed to have their own judgments. And I need to be at peace with that, even if I don't like it. Because I have to remind myself, if I try to control those things that I cannot control, I'm going to complicate things for one, and I'm going to be very frustrated, and it will increase any insecurity that I might already have. I need to let that be their problem and God's problem. Now, that does not mean that I let myself do whatever I want to do, and if you have a problem with me, well, that's your problem. Okay, that, that's not a godly attitude at all. What it means is, I show up, and I'm the best version that I can possibly be in that moment. And whatever it is that they perceive of it, experience of me, judge me about, think of me, whatever that is, really truly is their right, and I need to respect it. And that's boundaries. Now, if it's a negative thought, if it's a negative judgment, if it's, if it's a negative perspe- perception, then... I hope that they would want to work that out with me. I hope that they would want that to change. And I will do anything I can to change it, if, if, if that's possible. But I still need to be at peace with me. And if I have an interaction that I'm not happy with, that I'm not proud of, then I'm going to take responsibility for it and fix it as best as I can. And if that person doesn't let me fix it, I'm going to need to be at peace with that. So I need to be at peace about what others 
think of me. And I need to accept that they have a right to think whatever they want to think about me. So let's look at number three. And number three says, time heals almost everything. Give it time. Now, that may seem a strange thing for a psychotherapist to say, because we also know that time doesn't necessarily heal everything, that we have to do something in general. So there are, this, this really, this thing about time heals almost everything, give it time, has everything to do with being at peace with it. So when I am at peace with whatever the heartache is, when I'm practicing acceptance, when I'm practicing forgiveness of myself and others, when I'm relinquishing control of the things I cannot control, when I have peace over whatever the heartache or the hardship or the disappointment, whatever that was, time will take care of it. And it will eventually, the energy will disappear. So I need to consistently practice that idea of peace. And I want peace to the inmost parts of me. And I want to live at peace with myself, with God, with others around me. And so when I let time do its work, you'll be amazed at how well it does. And so time heals almost anything if we will just give it time. And there's a tendency for us as Americans, we want everything right now, and we can't bear to have a bad feeling. And our negative feelings many times rule us and don't let us move on to the next moment. And I talk to people at length about adults and adults can absolutely suspend things. And I can move on with my day knowing that I have an issue over here in the right side of my brain, left side of my brain, wherever that is, that probably has to be addressed. I probably need to think about it, but I can't do anything about it right now. So I will not let my present moment be stolen by that feeling, that incident, that problem, whatever that is. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about life-threatening problems. Okay? There, are, there are things that we need to address immediately. And I usually say to clients, those are the three Bs. Somebody's bleeding, there's broken bones, or no one's, no one's breathing. So bleeding, broken bones, or breathing. We have to address that immediately. Otherwise, in the adult world, pretty much everything can, can wait. And we can do the moment we're in and do it well. And move on to the next thing. So let's look at number four. This says, don't compare your life to others. Don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. And again, this brings us back to peace. I need to be at peace with God regarding my life. And I need to be at peace with God regarding others' lives. And we have a really terrible tendency of comparing ourselves to one another, comparing and contrasting and figuring out where we are on that continuum. And we have a tendency to make the world very vertical. And there are people above me and people below me. And where am I on that continuum? And how am I comparing to others around me? And, and I give this scenario to clients frequently. I say to them, you know, we, we, we have a tendency to take a snapshot of someone's life and then compare our lives to that snapshot. And, and I, I've had this experience where, you know, I had a client that, um, that I'll, I'll tell you this, this story about. Um, you know, imagine that you drive up to a stoplight and you look over and you see this beautiful, you know, brunette woman in a 
you know, convertible Mercedes. She's got beautiful sunglasses on. Everything's designer. She's talking on the phone. She's got nails are done. Hair is perfect. You know, beautiful jewelry. She just looks like it's amazing. Her life is like, wow. And you have a moment of jealousy or envy or feeling less than. And you go, wow, I'm, I'm nothing. Little do you know, that woman in that car is calling me because she's wanting to kill herself. And that's a true story. And so we compare ourselves to the outside of people, not knowing anything about the inside of people. So I want to really encourage you today to not compare your insides about how you feel about you to their outsides in both ways, either making yourself one up or feeling like you're in a one down. So we're coming up on a break and we're going to stop there on rule number four and we're going to finish them in the next segment. You've got three more to go. And I'm hoping that this is helpful for you because this is really about living at peace with me because when I do that, my relationships on the outside of me work much better. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. If you're not able to listen to the show in its entirety, visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you're listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. So glad that you joined me this afternoon, and we are talking about seven rules for life. And these really, truly will be life-changing for you. And I practice these rules, and I know that they work. And so I want to encourage you always to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and it's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A. Hyatt is H-I-E-T-T dot com. Also, my Facebook page is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C. We're incorporated lots of inspiration and motivational things on the Facebook page. And you'll also get a way to listen to this show online as well as anywhere that I'm speaking or singing. So we were doing this first hour, the first four rules. And that was number one, making peace with your past so it won't screw up the present. Number two is what others think of you is none of your business. Number three, time heals almost everything. Give it time. Number four, don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. And so we left off on that number four, and I'm going to expound even a little bit more on that one. And that is do not compare your life to others and don't judge them. And I want to add something to that. Don't judge them or yourself. Because we really have this tendency as humans, it's just very natural to us to make the world vertical instead of horizontal. See, God views all humans horizontally. Nobody is better or worse than anybody else. No one is greater or less than anyone else. He views us all the same horizontally. Now, the only time God goes vertical on us is when it comes to sin. That we all know that that sin is sin. But we do know in the world that we live in, there is consequences that are different for different levels of sin. And different types of sin have different types of consequences and different levels of harm. So we certainly can make sin a vertical issue. But that doesn't mean that the person that's committing the most heinous sin also then is the worst person in God's eyes. Because we don't know a person's heart. We don't know their situation. We don't know 
what God's doing with them, and we don't know their life circumstances. We don't know, we don't know about them. And so it's really important about this whole comparison issue that you recognize how much that hurts God's heart. He can't stand it when we are comparing ourselves to one another because he always knows that when we do that, someone's going to come out a winner, quote-unquote winner, and someone's going to be a loser. And so you need to recognize that when you're judging someone, comparing yourself to them, and you walk away feeling better, how would you feel if you were on the other side of that? You know what it feels like to feel less than someone. So when we get into that mindset that there's a better or a less than, someone's always going to become the loser and someone's always going to be, quote unquote, a winner. And so we want to make sure that we're not setting ourselves up to do that comparison game because anytime I do that, I'm going to get competitive and I'm going to also get insecure. I'm going to probably become controlling and I'm going to become judgmental and I'm going to become hyper-focused or obsessed, or I'm going to become perfectionistic. All kinds of really negative things are going to be ushering, ushered into my life when I practice the comparison game. It will directly affect my relationships because I will go into my relationship, any relationship I have, feeling like I'm either better than them or worse than them. So you can see when it's with our most intimate partner, our spouse, if I think I'm better than my husband or I think I'm worse than my husband, all of a sudden, all the dynamics of our relationship change and a whole bunch of dysfunctional behaviors are going to be ushered in. So I can't talk to you enough about the comparison game and do not compare yourself to others. You only compare yourself to yourself. If you want to compete, Compete with yourself. So I really practice this on a daily basis. I compare myself to myself. Where was I yesterday? Where am I today? Where was I 10 years ago? Where am I today? Do I want to compete? Then I compete with myself to be a better version of myself. And I let God take care of all the other people and where they're at on their continuum and where they're at with God. So let's look at at number five. Stop thinking so much. It's all right to not know the answers. They will come to you when you least expect it. And again, this is an issue of control. This is an issue of peace. This is an issue of really practicing the famous serenity prayer. And so I really want to encourage you to know, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have everything figured out today. You don't have to be on top of everything today. It's really okay to not know the answers. And it's okay to say to someone, I'm going to have to think about that. I really don't know. I'm really not sure. That makes an honest person of you. And the more honest you are, the safer you are. So it's imperative that I don't get anxiety thinking I have to know everything and thinking that if I know everything, somehow my life will be perfect. I mean, let's look at King Solomon the wisest man on the, on the earth, and he had some misery, terrible misery in his life, which tells us that being smart and always intelligent, knowing everything, having all the answers, doesn't necessarily create contentment, peace, or happiness. So that means that we certainly need to be curious people. Curious people are some of the most healthy people. So curiosity is very important. 
but thinking that my peace and joy and happiness, feeling good about myself, all those feelings that I desire would come from having all the knowledge that I need is a lie, straight from, straight from the pit of hell. That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Knowledge did not bring contentment to Adam and Eve. In fact, some of it brought death. So it's important that we get a handle on this and we don't get anxious about not knowing things and not knowing the future, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, that we really say, you know, God, I'm going to have to trust that you know, and you know everything I need to know, and you will tell me what I need when I need it. And so that I practice the gray area. I don't do all or nothing thinking that I have to either know everything or I'm not going to worry about knowing anything. That I practice a balance. I'm curious. I educate myself. I certainly seek out wisdom and knowledge. But when I don't know, I accept that I don't know. And I recognize that the answer will come when I need it. The next one is number six. This is no one is in charge of your happiness except you. And that's a powerful one to hear. It's kind of a painful one to hear sometimes because that means a lot of self-responsibility. And that means that I really am responsible for my own happiness. And we have done a show on happiness, and we will probably do one again because Americans are addicted to being happy. And it's a quest that we continue to pursue and attempt to consume. And what we want to think about is no one is in charge of that but myself. I am the one that is responsible for happiness. Now we're coming up on a break, so we're going to go into this, this, this last half hour of the show today. And we are going to talk at length about this idea of happiness and the power of happiness and what happiness really means and where we find happiness. And so this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I want you to join me in the next segment as we really talk about these seven rules for life and how they affect our relationships and how much, how positively they affect our relationships when we are working them. So this is Cynthia Hyatt, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Make sure you check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt on KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. And I want to make sure that I give credit to my producer, Jeremy, who I am always forgetting to thank, because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have this show. So, Jeremy, thank you always. So we are coming into our last half hour of the show, and we've been talking about the seven rules for life. And... These are very powerful rules. And I said in the beginning of the show that I thought I was maybe going to be able to just do this in the first half, but I think we're going to have to spend a little bit more time with this because these directly affect our relationships because it has everything to do with how we experience the world and how, what our expectations are of others, what our expectations of our, of ourself and of God. And that has a lot to do with control and how we then interact in our relationships, especially our most intimate relationships. So we left off in that last um, half hour with rule number six, and that is no one is in charge of your happiness except you. And that's a tough one to swallow, because as humans, we are very easily affected by our world. 
And stimulation it directly affects us, and it's very hard for us to not be affected. And so we are positively affected, negatively affected all the time, all through our day. Whatever we listen to on the radio, whatever we see as we're driving down the road, whatever we experience when we look in the mirror, what happens if someone calls us, if they don't call us, what that text meant, um, why did they say that in that email, why have they not responded to me? I mean, it's a myriad of, of experiences that we have in any given day and, and how it affects us. And so the reason this is so important is to understand that if I am constantly searching for my happiness outside of myself, I will be constantly let down and anxious and depressed. Because the world is not responsible for my happiness. And, and happiness is not outside of me. Now, I can have encounters and experiences that, that make me happy for any given moment. But if I'm chasing happiness outside of myself, I'm going to be let down consistently. And I'm going to put far too much pressure on the events that I, that I go to and the people around me. And they will feel that pressure. And so if you've ever been around someone that you feel like you're, you're not measuring up or, or you're constantly having, needing to do something or they're critiquing what you're doing or they're needy or, or they pressure you in any way, you know what that feels like. And so it's very important if you want your relationships to work, especially your most intimate relationship, that you really get a handle on this idea that my spouse, my boyfriend, my significant other, my children, my best friends, my co-workers, my boss, even God, is not responsible for how happy I am. I am responsible for that. And we can choose to be happy. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to, going to fake happiness. But I really can position my mind to be in a place that I am more optimistic, that I believe the best of others, I believe the best of God, I believe the best of myself, and I really do believe in a God that is really operating on our behalf and is a good God and wants good things for us. And we've done a show on the whole, how, how words affect our, our brain and how they affect our mood. And that what research is telling us now is that in less than one-tenth of a second of a negative word, a negative thought, our brain is washed with stress hormones in less than a tenth of a second. And what happens when I get into negative thinking, negative expectations, being easily offended, being easily insulted, creating more defensive posture. All kinds of things happen physiologically to me. My heart rate rises, cortisol increases, which raises cholesterol. I, I get um, a lot more stress hormones throughout my brain, which means that I'm not thinking as clearly, which means I perceive the world as a more dangerous place, which means I'm not relaxed. And if you've ever heard that saying, the drunk driver is the one that survives the crash. How sad is that? So what, what, the, what we take from that is the more relaxed I am, the more flexible I am, the easier I manage the buffeting of the world around me. The better I do when negative things come my way. The better I am at not integrating those or taking them right in and assuming it's about me. So it's imperative that when we think about no one is in charge of your happiness except you. No one is in charge of my happiness except me. 
what do I need to do to be happy? And one of the things that we want to really talk about is searching more for contentment and for joy and letting happiness just be different little experiences as we go through the day or go through our life and that we appreciate the moments of happiness that we have, but that we don't expect to be happy every moment of every day because we set ourselves up for unhappiness when we believe that. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we finish up 7 Rules for Life. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. And I want to encourage you, if you are not able to listen to the shows in their entirety, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and all the shows are there on the radio uh, link, like radio tab at the top of this, the, the page, and you can um, tune into any show at any time, and they are all on the, the website, and that is spelled, Cynthia is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A, Hyatt is H-I-E-T-T dot com, and I appreciate it when you uh, look at the website, and also when you like my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc., and that's I-N-C for Incorporated. Um, I also forget to remind you that I love to speak, and I sing, and I do all these different topics. Um, I speak all over the, actually all over the world, and if your organization has a need for a speaker. I do motivational, inspirational speaking, and I can always tailor the talk to whatever your organization is needing. So we are back to seven rules of life. And we left off on number six, which is no one is in charge of your happiness except you. And that's a powerful statement. And we are a society that is hooked on and addicted to needing to be happy all the time. And what we find is that it's elusive. Once we're chasing happiness, it's very difficult to find it. And it's very difficult to keep it. Because if we are thinking that happiness is a static state, then that means we constantly need an influx of happy things. And that's a lot of pressure to put on our world. It's a lot of pressure to put on the people around us. So it's imperative that we understand that the goal is contentment and peace and joy. And with that, comes happy moments. So as adults, we want to recognize that we want to be realistic and know that we live in a very hard place. We live in a difficult world. And so happiness can't be an ongoing state. Joy can, contentment, peace can be. And when I'm doing those, and I'm accepting the world on the world's terms, and I'm changing the things that can be changed, and typically that means me. The more I'm willing to change me, the more I'm willing to address what I need to do in order to be the person I can be proud of, the person I can admire, the person that I'm not ashamed of, the person that I am willing to forgive, that I am willing to be my own best friend, that I am willing to love me the way God loves me. I'm going to feel much different about the world that I am in. I'm going to feel far more forgiving far more accepting, far more supportive, and far more encouraged. Because God is doing great things. He still is doing great things. 
even though we hear so much in the media about how terrible things are, and, and there are some terrible things that are going on, but there have been terrible things since the beginning of time, and God continues to prevail. He continues to do good things. He continues to love his people and love his world. And we need to be focusing our mind on what gives us happy thoughts. And happy thoughts have everything to do with who God is and what God is doing. And we either trust it or we don't. And one of the things that I have to say to myself on an ongoing basis is I either trust God or I don't. There is no gray area. I don't every day evaluate whether or not I think I can trust God. God is either who he says he is or he isn't. So he's either doing good things and he loves his people or he isn't. There isn't a gray area here. And so we want to position our minds on truth and what we know the truth is. An understanding that the world is in constant flux and things change every day. And if you've seen any of the media the last 90 days when it comes to politics, we see how rapidly things can change and how numbers change from any given day. And so we want to focus our minds on the author of our faith. We want to focus our minds on the goodness of God. And we want to continue to look at the things that God is doing that are good, even the smallest of smallest things. And that does not mean that in any way, shape, or form, I ignore truth, because I work every day with people's lives that are not working. And one of the things I do is this very thing that we're talking about today. Because when we're willing to focus on positives, we automatically have a huge surge of energy. We get more resilience, more tolerance, and we deal better with the world as it is. So we want to remind ourselves that nobody is in charge of our happiness but us. So number seven, smile. You don't own all the problems in the world. And this is a very, very powerful statement because smiling immediately triggers the brain to feel happy. And if you've ever been around someone that smiles, you know how much better you feel. You know how wonderful it feels when someone smiles at you. Smiles go a long way. There's a big payback and a great return for smiling. And so many times we kind of get in a habit of just the more negatively we think, our face is, is downcast, our heart is downcast, our, 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 our affect is sullen. And what happens is our brain takes cues from our face. This is one of the reasons why if I relax my face and I'm willing to smile, I automatically, inside, my demeanor begins to change. And when I smile at others around me, they get an immediate response physiologically in their body and in their brain as well. And they will relax. And so it's imperative that we really practice these subtle things that actually give our body and our brain cues out of how, as to how to change our internal world. And I remind myself, I don't own all the problems of the world. Actually, God does. They all belong to God. All the people, all the problems, all the sin, all of that is God's. And he has taken it all on himself to work with and to work on. And it's amazing to think that God accepts this world completely, every single piece of it. He doesn't necessarily like all of it or agree with all of it, 
condone it, or want to teach it. But he does accept it 100%. We can relax as his children and know that all of the problems that I have also belong to God. And he is working on them with me day in and day out, and he doesn't sleep. And so I can know that I'm not on my own dealing with all of this, and we are not all on our own with this world, and that God has a plan. And so we can relax, and we can position ourselves to really accept happy moments, even if there are unhappy things that are going on around us. And we can encourage that in other people. And we can practice relaxing. So that's the last one. That's number seven. So I'm going to go through these one more time. We're going to start with number one. So if you're just tuning in, these are the rules that we talked about. Number one is make peace with your past so it doesn't screw up your present. And the need to live at peace with who you are, to live at peace with God, to live at peace with others. The only time we cannot live at peace with other people is if there is abuse, if there's harm. So we really want to work on acceptance, and that doesn't mean that we're not actively working on change, but we practice accepting the things that we cannot change, and we cannot change other people. We can affect change in other people if they so want to change. We can encourage change in others if they want to change, but we cannot change other people. And so the only thing that we are actually wanting to change in humans is maladaptive coping skills or behaviors that they learned as a result of the sinfulness of this world. We don't want to change their hardwiring. We don't want to change who God created them to be. We want to change the things that didn't come from God. So when we're looking at being at peace with people, we are saying that person is really God's problem. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to hope the best for them. I'm going to do everything I can to not get in the way of them being who God has called them to be. But that's as much as I can affect. And so I'm going to live at peace with myself and with others. And I'm going to practice forgiveness on an ongoing, on an ongoing basis of myself and of others. Because we don't want the past to be living in the present and then dictating a future for us. Because we want the future that God has designed. So number two, what others think of you is none of your business. It's a very important boundary for us to practice. Very important to accept the fact that people have a right to think whatever they want to think about us. They have a right to their own mind. They have a right to their own heart. And I need to respect it. And so if I get too caught up in trying to control what people think about me, I will probably cause them to have more negative thoughts about me if I really think about it. What I really want to be doing is just being the best version of me, the best person that I can be at any given moment and forgiving myself when I'm not. Taking responsibility for whatever it is that I have done that I may need to apologize for or make amends for or fix. And then I let it go. And so it's really important to understand the people are going to think whatever they want to think. They thought all kinds of things about Jesus and he was perfect. And so who am I to think that they're not going to think negative things about me? I don't, I simply don't, it doesn't mean I like it, but I need to accept it and go back to rule number one and live at peace with it. I need to not wrestle with what other people think about me or what I think they might think about me. 
because we have a tendency to project onto people all kinds of things we think they're thinking when they may not be. So I'm going to think the best is what I'm going to do. I'm going to assume the best unless they tell me. Number three, time heals almost everything. Give it time. There are so many things that if we just let time take its course, things would resolve. We have a tendency to get involved in everything, and we micromanage everything. And I, I many times of having to say to clients, you don't need to talk about everything. You don't need to resolve everything. Sometimes you just have a bad moment with a person. Let it go and move on. The things that need to be talked about are usually pretty obvious because they kind of have a life of their own. And until we resolve them, they kind of stay alive. But there's a lot of things that, we, that go on with people that we really can just let go and recognize that time can heal it. On top of the fact that there are many things that are huge, that are big, like major losses. And this time can heal if we are at peace with it. So number four, don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea the journey, what their journey is all about. And we talked at length about not comparing and contrasting that God does not want us to compare ourselves. If you want to compare, compare yourself to yourself. Compare yourself to who you are today compared to who you were yesterday. If you want to compete, compete with yourself. Be a better version of yourself today than you were yesterday. And number five, stop thinking so much. It's okay to not know everything. Certainly we want to be educated. We want to be curious people. But we need to be okay with not knowing everything. We need to know that we belong to a God that knows everything and is very willing to tell us whatever information we need. And so number six, no one is in charge of your happiness except you. And we really, really elaborated on that one today. So I want to really encourage you to listen to the show, especially about that one, that we are in charge of our own happiness. And our happiness is not outside of ourselves. It really goes back to being at peace with who I am and what God is doing in my life and choosing to think healthy, positive thoughts toward God, others, and myself. And the last one, I want you to smile. So thank you for listening to the show today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week as we continue in understanding how to have healthy relationships and what affects our relationships. And we are going to talk at length about that. So please visit my uh, Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's INC for Incorporated. Uh, visit my website, uh, CynthiaHyatt.com. Have a blessed week. This is Cynthia Hyatt, 1360 KPXQ, Bay Talk Radio. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.